Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumlaw Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumlaw or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumlaw.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Well, good morning, Grumlaw Church. We are officially in the thick of the Christmas season. Personally, my favorite time of the year uh, for a lot of different reasons, but near the top of the list is all of the new people that inevitably uh, come and and check Grumlaw out for the first time uh, during the month of December. And in that, if you are new around here, I just want to say thank you for giving us a shot. Uh, Thank you for deciding to tune in this morning. My invitation to you would be to come back for at least three straight weeks uh, because every single week is unique. Every single week is different, and I frankly think it's going to take at least a couple of weeks for you to really get an accurate feel of what we are all about, and that gets me really excited because if you come for three straight weeks, that means you will definitely be here for Christmas, and uh, we kind of go all out on that day. It's a really, really just fun celebration uh, of the arrival of our Savior to earth, and so we definitely hope to see you there, uh, either one of our physical locations, either in Grand Blanc or Heartland. You can find out all the details for our Christmas services, again, at grumlaw.com slash Christmas. But today, uh, we continue in a series that we began last week uh, that is the intention of preparing our hearts and our minds uh, for what God is going to do this Christmas. Uh, We're highlighting some rather famous Christmas carols, uh, exploring the the deeper meaning of said carols. And I think as a result, uh, we will have a deeper uh, love and adoration for the God who thinks so highly of each of us that he would send down to this earth his one and his only son. Now, now the carol that has been assigned to me this morning, actually assigned to me by me, uh, is this carol, Joy to the World. Uh, and I'd love to tell all of you that when I hear this song, it conjures up all of this uh, deep spiritual meaning for me. But, but if I'm just being honest, here is, what, here is what most immediately comes to mind. Anyone else? All right, uh, this will actually really reveal a lot to all of you about my wife. Uh, not only is that my wife's favorite Christmas movie, it's just, it's just her favorite movie, period. In fact, when we first got married, it was like, we're into January and February. I was like, we're still, we're still watching this. Okay, July, we're still watching. Okay, this is just going to be a thing that's just a part of my life now, uh, which probably makes sense why this scene is so firmly planted in my mind. And, and I think this is the case for a lot of these famous Christmas carols. That they become so familiar, so synonymous with Christmas, such staples in the Christmas routine that for most of us, we don't really understand the significance of the lyrics and the words that are being sung and spoken. I have to imagine, for instance, that Isaac Watts, there he is, this is the individual who wrote Joy to the World. He was an English minister and, and hymnist. See that hair? That's just looking good. I have to imagine that Isaac Watts would be more than a little bummed out that that I, as a pastor, most immediately associate his song, so rich lyrically, by the way, and we'll explore that this morning, that, that I most immediately associate his song with a scene from a National Lampoon movie as opposed to my Lord and Savior. So, I am hoping this morning that we can at least sort of change that. Now, like most timeless hymns, the inspiration for this song does not lie in the experience of man, but but rather in the timeless words of Scripture. Now, now I think that this is a a significant factor as to why these songs have, have lived on throughout the generations. 
If I'm just being honest, uh, I don't think people 200 years from now are going to be singing Champion by Maverick City. But I can almost guarantee you that they will still be singing Joy to the World. But because the song is so deeply rooted in Scripture, and in that vein, let me remind us of a very important truth. The Bible isn't merely an old book. It's, it's a timeless book. It doesn't just tell us something that happened. It tells us what always happens. See, we like to think, and we're prisoners of the moment in this way, we like to think that we've evolved so much as human beings, that we've gotten so much better at navigating life than those who came, for instance, before us, when in reality, um, we haven't. It's why when you read scripture, it's still every bit as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. See, the Bible is a story of God's most prized creation, that is humanity, you and I, rebelling against the creator. And God, out of an overflow of his love, out of an overflow of his kindness, pursuing us and, and attempting to win us back. So it's not an accident that the words of a song like this still resonate with us. It's not merely nostalgia, that there's something deeper there, that there's a timelessness to these words that, that will always be true. Now, the inspiration for this song, Joy to the World, it lies in, in Psalm chapter 98. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you as you're watching right now, go ahead and pull those out now. Uh, if you do not have a Bible as you are watching right now, uh, a free resource that you can take advantage of is the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, you can download that on any smartphone that you have sitting in front of you right now. And honestly, like it makes it so easy to just dig into God's Word. There's daily verses. There's Bible reading plans. Uh, please right now, go ahead and you just search Bible, YouVersion, any of those words. It'll pop right up. Download that thing and again, it's 100% free. Uh, before we dive here into Psalm chapter 98, allow me to pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, I just say thank you for today. I thank you for uh, how you are working and how you are uh, ministering to us even this morning, how you are pursuing each of us this morning. I just pray, God, that we would all have softened hearts to receive what it is that you would like to speak to each of us. Uh, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So again, as just mentioned, we are going to jump here into Psalm chapter 98. If you're about to freak out because you're like, he's going to read a whole chapter of scripture. It is, it is whopping nine verses. So here we go. It says, sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He, he has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all the living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. But again, back to verse four right there. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Now, for the two or three of you who are watching right now and are not aware of the difference between joy and happiness, uh, allow me to briefly explain. Happiness is rooted in circumstances, whereas joy is, is rooted in God and specifically in your relationship with him. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is everlasting. Now, now, to be sure, typically those who are filled with joy tend to be pretty, well, happy people. Oftentimes, and I've seen this before, when joy and happiness are spoken about within the church, it's almost viewed that like happiness is a bad thing, and that's, that's certainly not the case. 
Happiness is an emotion that we all experience, but, but joy is, is a gift from God, something that, that cannot be taken away from you. People in circumstances, when you think about it, have the opportunity to rob you of happiness, but, but nothing can take my joy. For instance, I tend to be pretty happy when somebody gives me a gift. In fact, just this last week, I uh, was meeting with my men's group on Tuesday morning that I have the privilege to be a part of. And uh, at the end of the group, the, those, that group of guys, they surprised me actually with literally an envelope full of cash because the week before, I kind of casually mentioned that the heat in my car uh, didn't work. And it was a little chilly driving around these days. I've been kind of procrastinating for the better part of a year. And they're like, Shay, we just like can't have you driving around in the cold, whether you're being a cheapskate or whether you really don't have the money to fix it. We don't really care. But here you go. Go fix the heat in your car. So, so I was happy that they gave me that gift. But, but if 10 minutes later, for instance, I, I would have received a call from my wife that her vehicle was broken down on the side of the highway, I, I would have instantly not been very happy. Uh, this past Monday, I was driving home from a, an event that uh, was being put on by uh, the coffee shop that my wife and I own, and I hadn't ate dinner. And uh, it was like, you know, the last time I ate was around noon, it was 9.30, and I, I was like really, really hungry. And, and all of a sudden, there was this beacon from heaven. It was that little dong, like the Taco Bell sign, right? And so I pulled into Taco Bell, and I got myself a $5 cravings box, so pumped they brought those things back, cheesy gordita crunch, soft taco, uh, chips and queso, and, and a zero Baja blast. I was so happy as I ate that meal. But when, when my stomach started to rumble at about 2.30 in the morning, not so happy. Joy, the, the joy that is spoken about, at least in scripture, that the joy that is a gift from God himself is, is something entirely different. And here's the reality that there are absolutely people who are watching today and the entirety of the reason that you decided to watch today it is because you were hoping that you might find that joy. It, it, it's something that you've, you've maybe occasionally seen in others. You've, you've heard other people talk about it. And you're curious if, if you might be able to find some of that for yourself. Because the reality is, is that your life has been zapped. It's been robbed of joy. You're, you're wondering if, if joy is even real or, or if it's just kind of this fleeting pursuit. Maybe others have it, but it certainly isn't for you. Maybe others have it, but really that they're probably just faking it. And for some of you, you feel like you've given this whole church, this whole Jesus, this whole Christianity thing an, an honest shot. And maybe you even felt like you found joy for a season as you explored Christianity, as you leaned into the local church. I mean, you showed up here, everyone was super nice. Life just kind of felt better. But eventually, you slipped back into your old habits. The bills kept on coming. He still ended up being a jerk. So maybe it wasn't joy after all. Maybe it was just that temporary happiness and joy continues to evade you. And the joy that that people like me talk about that can only be found in Jesus is, well, maybe a, a lie. Or, or maybe it's reserved for like the spiritually elite, but it's certainly out of reach for you. Let me show us this morning some words from, from, from Jesus himself, this, this supposed purveyor of joy. And, and it's going to be an occasion where Jesus is, he, he is so painfully honest with, with all of these people who are, like you, searching for that joy. We jump here to Mark chapter 8. It's one of the four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus. It says there, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, hey, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must, he says, give up your own way, take up your cross and, and follow me. 
See, some of you, you've been misled into believing, and it's probably not even your fault. More than likely, it's actually someone who does what I do for a living's fault. You've been misled into believing that Jesus is this sort of genie in a bottle. I mean, it was never put that plainly, that bluntly, but that's certainly what you were presented with. Come to church, read your Bible, maybe volunteer a little bit of your time, maybe even give a little bit of your money and bam, suddenly life will be perfect. Or at least better than what it was before you started trying all that stuff. So, So some of you, and reasonably so, you got really disenchanted with church and subsequently Jesus, because when the dust settled from all of that initial excitement of all that activity in your life, wouldn't you know it? Your life was still every bit as complicated. And when you took a step back, you're like, what the heck? I've just added more stuff to my already psychotic pace. In your mind, this is okay if you're thinking this way, I certainly get it. In your mind, Jesus didn't work. And Jesus right here, He's getting at the heart of this sentiment, this idea that he's just like a life coach or, or this sort of like get joy quick scheme or this tool to be used at your disposal in order to improve your circumstances. See, Jesus had these massive crowds following him around everywhere he went. Because let's just kind of be honest, they wanted to use Jesus. They wanted Jesus to help them with their problems. Jesus, heal this sick person, multiply the food, fix my marriage, save this wayward child. Hey, hey, Jesus, go ahead and do that trick. And and come on, for for a lot of you who are watching today, I mean, we could be honest, you don't have to miss anybody else, but that's why you're here. And and there's nothing, to be very clear, there's nothing wrong with that. Because that is where virtually everyone starts. You are looking to use Jesus. Jesus, will you please fix my marriage? Will will you please heal this illness? Will will you please solve this family crisis? Will you please get me a job? Will you please cure my financial woes? Will will you please find me a husband, find me a wife? And and again, Jesus doesn't even really mind how incredibly selfish we are initially. He he knows that this is true about us. He, He knows that virtually nobody shows up here, at least initially, with a pure heart. A heart that just wants to know and, and seek him. I mean, we can be honest, right? I mean, very few of you showed up here for the first time thinking, all I want to do is sit at the feet of and, and just worship Jesus. So, so Jesus, out of an overflow of his kindness, he decides to level set with all of us. I mean, he, he's painfully honest, but, but clarity is kindness. And just like many people out on that day when he initially uttered these words, decided that they were out, they decided to swipe left, I, I suspect some of you will as, as well. So again, he says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and, and follow me. He, he knows what he is beginning to articulate right here will sound extremely counterintuitive. But, but he's telling us that the path to true purpose, true peace, true joy lies in giving up your way of doing things and rather deciding to follow him. You, you don't merely believe, you follow. Now, now I don't have time to, to completely unpack this today. And for those of you who have been a part of this church for really any amount of time, you've probably picked up that this is a bit of a passion point for me. I've talked about it in the past. I'll certainly talk about it in the future. But in a nutshell, what Jesus is reminding us of right here is, hey, you rarely take you in the right direction. You you rarely take you in in the best direction, in the wise direction, in the, hey, I'm playing the long game direction. 
come on, w- with you calling the shots, and it's just as much true for me, you might get these momentary doses of happiness, but, but it's quickly met with regret and shame. And honestly, maybe it's not all bad all the time, but it's again, it's, it's temporary. It's fleeting. It doesn't last for very long. And again, this is so painfully honest, what Jesus is saying here, that most people, that they would have gotten all kinds of defensive and they would have just written Jesus off. But the reality is he's actually just pointing something out that we all deep down know to be true, that that you're not that great at leading yourself. You rarely take you in the right direction. So, So he says, hey, if you really want to experience true purpose, true peace, true joy, and he says, hey, you got to give me the keys. Let me call the shots moving forward. He goes on and he gets even more honest and he makes things even more awkward. It's like, oh my gosh, who says this stuff out loud? He goes on and says, hey, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll, you'll lose it. But he says, if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, that is the gospel, his message to change the world, he says, you'll save it. So try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. Give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Here's what Jesus is getting at. And, and again, it's, it's like, it's so honest, it hurts. He says, hey, if you keep letting you call the shots, you will continue to be undone by your own poor decision-making. You will, and again, these are his words. He says, you will lose your life. That is, you will waste your life away. Your life will be summarized as a fleeting pursuit of temporary pleasures. Joy will forever evade you. In fact, you'll continue to play the sick joke on yourself where you continue to deceive yourself that lasting joy is indeed right around the corner and it never will be. And he's like, hey, there is a way to avoid falling into that rat race. But, but, but it involves a, last, a, a loss of control. He says, give the keys to me, follow me. Uh, allow me to begin calling the shots. B- because I, Jesus says, have your best interest in mind. I'm, I'm looking further down the road than, than you have the ability to see. But very simply, he says, I, I am for you for you in a way that is impossible for any of us to fully comprehend or understand. And, and here's how God demonstrated that to us. Here, here's how Jesus proved that to us. In, in John 1.14, and we're going to get into this verse in a lot more detail at our Christmas services, it says, so the word, that, that is God, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, arriving down into this earth, wrapped snugly in in cloths and lying in a manger. The the creator, God Almighty, think about this, would get off of his throne in heaven for the creation. He would get off of his throne in heaven for you and I. He would come down to this earth. It's what we celebrate this time of year. Take on the limitations of humanity. Again, we're going to talk a lot more about that on Christmas so that you and I might have the opportunity to experience new life. So so rather than punishing us for our pride, rather than punishing us for our arrogance, our rebellion, our our insistence that we somehow know better than he does, he would instead devise a way back to him through his son. That is how for you he is. That, That is how desperately he longs for you to experience that purpose, that peace, that joy that we're all searching after. And the creator tells the creation 
Think about that for a quick moment. Creator tells the creation, so maybe we ought to kind of tune into that, that the path to this joy that, again, we are all chasing after, it's not found in ourselves. It's found in him, with with him firmly at the center of our lives. Jesus calling the shots to to lay down that pride, that that arrogance, to, to give up your way for his way. For him. And then, <laughs> and then he points out one more thing. He saves the best and the most direct, I mean, the most like, ugh, the most painful for the end. He says, and oh, by the way, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? And then he just asks this, this poignant question. He says, hey, is anything worth more than your soul? See, see, what Jesus just did right here is he beat some of you to your rebuttal. Because, come on, here is what some of you are thinking right now. You you began to tune me out because you're thinking, okay, Shay, but I like my way. You're you're trying to paint this picture this morning that that my way is all bad, and frankly, it isn't. But my way has gotten me a pretty nice life. I got lots of toys. I got a nice house. I got a nice car. I got relationships with the opposite sex. I mean, like, nice try. Maybe you, Shay, stink at calling the shots in your own life, but actually, I'm pretty good at this. I, I don't need Jesus. So so Jesus says, hey, by the way, the only person to have ever successfully predicted his own death and resurrection. So again, maybe we ought to listen in and lean in at least a little bit. Jesus reminds us, hey, you you don't get to take any of that with you. All that stuff, all the toys, all of your accomplishments, all of the things that you've acquired, all all of these things that you've gotten in your life in an attempt to to get those momentary uh, like pieces of happiness and what you perceive sometime to be joy, but it never lasts very long, all the trips, all the vacations, all all that stuff, you can't take any of it with you. And he says, and even though you think you're experiencing life to its fullest, you have no idea what you're missing in relationship with me. Picture this, it would be like a little kid who grows up kind of like in this bubble of a home, like he's got these 12 foot high fences in his backyard and lives there for like the entirety of his life. And every day in the summer, he goes out in the backyard and wouldn't you know, his parents, like they loved him so much, they wanted to create joy for him in those summer months and they put up this above ground pool. And it's pretty great, right? Because it's a pool. My kids love to swim. He loves to swim. He's like, this is awesome. I got this above ground pool in my backyard every single day. I get to go out and swim in those summer months. But he has no idea that on the other side of that 12-foot fence is Typhoon Lagoon, one of the greatest water parks on the planet. See, see, come the end of your life, you're going to find out that, that who you followed during your time on this earth, and, and every single one of us, we're either following ourselves or Jesus, who you followed during your time on this earth will determine where you end up for eternity. That, that all of those fleeting pleasures... All of that insistence on your way will end up costing you your your soul. And Jesus is reminding us that in that moment, you will discover that nothing is worth more than your soul. You will discover that though you thought you were living the quote-unquote good life, you missed out on the richness of relationship with your creator. True joy, not only during your time on this earth, but, but for all eternity. And here's the reality. Not one of us will be able to claim ignorance. 
Because some 2,000 years ago, well, again, I'll remind us, God became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and, and we have seen his glory, all of us, the, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Church, this is how desperately God wants to be found. So desperately, he wants you to experience true joy. Joy found in the loving embrace and care of your Savior who loves and cares about you so deeply that he would come down to this earth for, for you. Well, one of the lines in that song, Joy to the World, that, that most of us, if we're just honest, we've never really given a second thought, says, and, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And uh, yeah, you get the idea. Uh, there's a passage that we have in the book of uh, Luke, and it's actually uh, what we celebrate traditionally in the church calendar is Palm Sunday, where uh, it's right near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, and there's an incredible 180 that happens here. Jesus, uh, in, in this passage that we're going to be looking at Luke, he, he enters into this town, and, and like it is the peak of Jesus' public approval rating. I mean, everybody wants to be close to Jesus, and in fact, just days later, the same people who were celebrating him would end up nailing him to a cross. But, but right here, he's entering into this town on, on a donkey. He's riding on a colt, as the scriptures often say it. And people so overcome that like literally their Messiah has arrived. They start laying their garments, their coats, their robes, literally on the ground, on the road, because it was the sign of honor. So, so they're laying it before him, like literally the colt that he is riding shouldn't be like touching its hooves a- along the dirt. Instead, it should be our coats. And, and at the same time, they're worshiping and they're, and they're praising Jesus. They're crying out these prayers. They're singing these songs to Jesus, but praising him. It's just this triumphant entry into this town. And per usual, the religious leaders are losing their minds. And they're looking at Jesus. In fact, like they're not saying it internally. They're saying it out loud. They're like, tell, tell them, Jesus, that they need to stop. This is out of control what they are doing right now for you. And Jesus replies with this line. He says, hey, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Now, to be very clear, and some of you, you've perhaps heard this passage taught on in the past, Jesus isn't indicating that inanimate objects will someday literally start praising him. His point is actually very simple. He's going, hey, I am worthy of praise and honor. Church, he is worthy of our worship. That the, the praise and joy being expressed on that day, that, that is, for instance, expressed each Sunday here and at every other church on the planet through song, is so appropriate, don't miss this, is so necessary that if we don't praise him, it would be appropriate for inanimate objects to fill that void. Church, worship isn't something that's done here on Sundays because churches for 2,000 years haven't had another way to fill 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. It's done and will forever be a part of these gatherings because it is the only appropriate response to steal a lyric from our song. It's the only appropriate response to receive our King. The Savior reigns. So we choose to worship Him even and perhaps especially when we don't feel like it. For the followers of Jesus who are watching this morning, do do you approach praise and worship of Jesus with a sounding joy or, or a begrudging apathy? Church, make no mistake. He is worthy of our worship. 
And for those of you who are watching today and you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, again, not just believing in Jesus, but truly following him, you have seen firsthand how much better his way is than, than your way. There is no doubt in your mind that, again, he is worthy of your worship. Uh, one of the earnest prayers uh, that I have for this faith community is, is that we would be a people known for our worship of Jesus. That with a heart of joy, we, we would be a people who communicate both through our word as well as our deed that, that we expect God to move. And, and just like every Sunday here, in just a moment, we're, we're going to have an opportunity to worship Jesus. That through our song, we're going to have the opportunity to repeat the sounding joy. We're going to have the chance to respond in gratitude in the same way that those early followers did when they paved the streets with their clothes and declared glory in highest heaven. And what I, I'm going to say right now, I, I please receive this. Like I, I do not mean this with any judgment, with, with, with zero level of arrogance. Just like occurred 2,000 years ago when Jesus came riding in on that donkey, some of you today will respond in sort of a quiet judgment, wondering like, what's wrong with some of these people? Why do they get so excited about this? Some of you will respond in, in apathy, and some of you, you'll join in with the chorus of heaven. And, and as I was preparing this message, I'm going to tie a bow on this right now, I, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was, was asking me to say what I'm about to say. I, I want to speak to the people right now who are watching who have just kind of been going through the religious motions for a while. Where, where, where you get up and you might tune into our services online, you might even come walking through our doors, but if you're honest, you don't really even know why. Maybe it's like this, this guilt that kind of gets you to walk through the doors. Maybe it's just, quote-unquote, something that you do. But typically, if you're being honest, when it gets to like the worship through song portion of our services, when it gets to the point where... You know, that the TV turns and suddenly there's some people playing music or you're here on a Sunday and, and again, it's like, okay, we're going to enter into worship now and that's explained a little bit. You just kind of resolve to this, this quiet apathy. You maybe put your hands in your pockets and just kind of stare blankly forward. If you're watching online, if you're being honest, you usually walk away from the TV at this point. You, you maybe even turn the service off altogether. And, and you probably even said this at some point. And again, no judgment with this, but you, you said, worship just isn't my thing. And I want to challenge you that if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, it ought to be your thing. And I want to invite you this morning that truly this could be a big moment for your walk with Jesus today. I want to invite you to take a step physically and watch how your spirit follows. So often I think we, we romanticize these moments in our walk with Jesus. And as it relates to worship, for instance, you're maybe waiting for this sort of magic moment. You're waiting like, okay, when all the stars align, well, then that's when I'll kind of like move that direction, begin to move my lips, begin to actually like get into this a little bit. Or, or again, maybe again, you've just resolved to like, okay, like that's just not who I am and I'm never really going to do that. And, and my challenge and invitation to you would be like, this is a decision that every follower of Jesus makes at a certain point in their walk. And today, you could make that decision to finally worship him. Worship the God of the universe who would get off of his throne in heaven for you because he so desperately wants a relationship with you. And here's the reality. Even if you don't, he is so worthy of praise that the stones will cry out. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are worthy. 
We thank you that despite your holiness, you don't uh, choose to use that to separate the gap between uh, us and, and you. Instead, you, you decided to take this massive step our direction when you would send down to this earth your one and only son because you so desperately want relationship with us. Thank you for what you're doing, God, in the lives of so many people who are part of this church that you're you are. I've seen that firsthand evidence of that, even in my own life, like breaking us out of like these religious motions and inviting us into relationship with you. And it's just so much better there. Thank you for the contentment and the peace and the joy that I've experienced in my life that I see firsthand evidence of and so many other people's lives in this faith community. And I just pray this morning, God, that again, as I pray every Sunday, that we just have humbled hearts and that we'd be willing to again, just receive what it is that you're trying to speak over our lives right now. Thank you, God, that you never give up on us, that despite our hard-headedness, despite our stubbornness, you just keep chasing after us, and you're never going to stop. So, God, we love you, and we thank you for this opportunity that we even get right now to just uh, sing and praise your holy name. It's your name we pray. Amen.